Hey, what's up? This is Derek Durish with the 10K Music Podcast. Thank you for listening. As always, please make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share. If you have done that already, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Yes, this is a five-star rated podcast, and I would love to keep it that way. Uh, so please, 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 oh please, if you need to, hit pause and go and uh, rate this, this joint. This podcast is about audio. So if you are involved in audio in any way, you will take a liking to this podcast. Whether you be a mixing engineer, mastering engineer, singer, songwriter, artist, musician, uh, and if you own a home recording studio like I do, this podcast is for you. Because this podcast, right, is about my journey on becoming a successful audio engineer and owning a home recording studio. This podcast is not to sell you anything. No, 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 no. I don't want you to buy shit from me. I don't want you to sign up for my email list. Okay, I really don't because I don't care about it. This podcast is for me to help you in your journey in uh, engineering and your journey of owning a home recording studio. And I will teach you things that I've learned and I will tell you the mistakes that I've made. So hopefully you don't make the same ones. And yes, because I feel like the message, right, the passing on of knowledge and wisdom in this is way more valuable and more important to me than any kind of money or compensation. Now, no, 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 I'm not going to lie. But Derek, isn't the podcast uh, uh, an angle to kind of create revenue and business for you? Like, yes, it is, to be honest. But I want to create that business and that revenue through recording your music. So if you want to record some music, come on through. I am, uh, I've been on a 10-month hiatus. I apologize. Reason why? <laughs> Shit, I don't know. To be honest, I mean, I kind of just didn't feel like doing it. Um, and I actually, I got busy. I did, man. I got real busy recording bands and artists, recording more artists than anything. Um, and there was a time where I found myself uh, kind of struggling to uh, time time manage all my sessions. Um, and I was kind of behind on work. So I didn't have time to do a podcast because podcasts take time. They do. If this episode is two hours long, right, add another hour to it because that's how much longer it took me to edit it, to upload it, to add music to it and all that. So it takes time. It takes time. And I only have so much time. Now, 10K music, what's that mean? 10K music. The difference between good and great is 10,000 hours. It's a, uh, it, it symbolizes my work ethic just as a person, not just in music, but just at my regular nine to five job, more like a five to five, to be honest with you. But it's just, it, it's a, the everyday uh, grind for me right? is working hard. It's all that, that I've always been about working hard and uh, going to get yours, you know, doing work, putting in that work. Uh, this podcast, I'm going to just kind of, uh, kind of touch bases with you and, uh, let you know what's been going on in my life. Hopefully teach you some things, uh, let you know about some of my business practices, some business strategy that I've, I've, uh, that I've put into, uh, put into action, uh, with my home studio. And I'm actually, in process of changing brands, uh, to re, re, you know, reconfiguring uh, my branding instead of branding myself as a studio, uh, brand myself more of an engineer because I've done a lot of outsource work 
this past year. Um, and I want to continue to do outsourced work. I would love to be able to go work at other studios. Um, and that will allow me to still be able to brand it around my name as opposed to the name of a recording studio. Um, so I can land more jobs like that and I can kind of float around and freelance and, uh, do all that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's what I'm going through. So pretty soon this podcast is going to change. It might just be the Durish Music Podcast. But shout out to Made by Rob at madebyrob.net for the new logo. He did a great job. Go check him out. Am I ditching 10K music? No, no, I'm not. You know, it's a part of me. It's who I am. I I, I still like to refer to my studio as 10K Music Studios. Um, but But it just makes sense for me to switch the branding out because of what I mentioned and because I do my own solo work and I've been, uh, I've been, I've been doing my own thing as, as an artist per se. Um, even though I'm not really trying to pursue, uh, a career as an artist by any means, um, it's more pet projects of mine. Um, so I can focus on mixing and mastering and recording and doing all that fun stuff that I love to do. And then, uh, it's, it also sets me up for my sync work. I do, uh, write stuff for sync uh, I do make a ton of instrumentals, um, at least I used to, and I still have this big back catalog of that. So I'd like to be able to umbrella everything under Durish Music um, and that, you know, changing it to Durish Music and then hopefully launching the website soon in the near future will, you know, uh, help me umbrella everything that I do under one name. So, yes, sir. Um, that's that about the branding thing. Um, my advice on branding is. Make sure you have a direction. Make sure that your name uh, has some significance to you. Uh, make sure it is relevant to you. Make sure it stands for something, I believe. I think if you just throw out some uh, some crazy bullshit name or or whatever with no you know no vision and no reasoning behind it, I think it uh it doesn't really serve a purpose, you know. So yep, that's the route I'm going. That's the route I'm going. Um, gear wise, talk about gear, right? Who doesn't love gear? Uh, I'm actually drinking a Sam Adams Oktoberfest. It is December, December 22nd in Northwest Indiana, and it was 55 degrees today. Beautiful day in December. I'll take it. I'll take it. I ain't trying to get into politics, but hey, I'd like to thank Trump for global warming. If we got to thank somebody, right? Because everyone wants to blame the guy for global warming. But anyway, that's politics rant. Uh, but yes, back to gear. Back to gear. I've acquired multiple microphones. Okay, this is important. Because I feel like through my journey at owning a home studio and becoming a successful engineer, you know, one of the things that you should do when you're getting into anything is try to imitate, right? Imitate and replicate what somebody successful is doing. All right. So what does that mean? See what they charge per hour, right? Base your rates on that. See what their website looks like. Build your website to look somewhat like theirs. If not, step it up a level, right? Try to figure out how to make your website better. Um, gear, right? Every engineer out there has a picture of them with their gear, right? With their setup. And you see all this fancy rack equipment, right? These guys have these kind of hybrid analog digital setups and they look beautiful. And some of this gear costs thousands of dollars. Some of it costs a couple hundred dollars, you know, a few hundred dollars with all these outboard EQs and compressors and dynamic things and all that shit, right? And I mean, it looks sexy in the photos, right? And you see these big ass boards, right? These big ass mixing consoles and, and all that. And it's like, are they really using all that shit? But we think they are. 
you know, and I'm sure they are to some extent, but not for everything, right? Because everything is digital now. You can do everything in the box and it sounds great. So me, I fell into the imitation, trying to repeat, you know, or trying to replicate what other people are doing. And so I started going out and buying analog gear. Okay. Because I thought, I thought that analog gear was going to make my shit sound better. Okay. And so I went out and I'll tell you the names I bought. I'll tell you the brand names. I don't care. They don't pay me to advertise. I'm not shitting on them. For me, it just didn't work, and everyone's different, okay? I went out and bought a Blackline Audio Archer MK2. It's a two-channel preamp, mic pre, okay? For vocals, I hated it. It was too crisp, too crisp for my vocals, for my liking. I found myself hating how it sounded, okay? Now, for drum overheads, the thing sounded amazing, but I don't really record a lot of drums, so for me to keep this $400 preamp... It was kind of asinine, but I wanted to hold on to it for a while, and I really wanted to test it out, and I ran it through. I ran drums through it, overheads, uh, different mics, all that. Didn't like how, didn't really care for how it sounded, but I tried to hold on to it because I'm like, man, I got this thing on my rack. It looks sexy. It looks sexy. Artists, people who want to come to me for business are going to see this piece of analog gear and be like, damn, look what he's got. And that's going to help me get business, okay? But the thing is, is I felt like my mixing took a step back because the recorded signal wasn't sounding like what I was used to, one, but I didn't like it. I didn't think it sounded good. I actually had to retrack an artist's song for free after he paid me because I hated how it sounded and I did it on the house. I'm like, dude, you got to come back and re-record it. I just didn't like it. Well, I held on to the preamp. Okay, Sweetwater's Gear Fest came up, and I'm like two hours, two and a half hours from Sweetwater. So I drive down Lincoln Highway East into Fort Wayne, Indiana, right? And I go in there, and I bought the Black Lion Audio 1176. Now, Derek, why would you buy more Black Lion Audio stuff? Why? They do make great gear, like they do. Like the components, quality, right? Everything felt quality. And the compressor, I'm like 1176 compressor. Like for, it was, uh, I think six, 700 I bought it for, I want to say. I'm just like, man, I got to get me one of those. And uh, I tried running some stuff through it and I just wasn't comfortable using it. I bought it. I brought it home. I hooked it up to the preamp, ran uh, ran uh, some vocals through it, all that. Did a little reamping through it. I just didn't like it. I don't know. I just, it, it just, I, I didn't like it. So I said, you know what? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to return this. Sweetwater, by the graces of God amazing company. They allowed me to return both products. Um, I got like $1,100 back or $1,200 back on both of the products. And uh, earlier that week, I was listening to a podcast and uh, you know they asked some guy, like, what would you invest your money in if you were to start all over? If someone gave you $100,000, what would you buy? And the guy said, to be honest with you, I would buy $100,000 worth of microphones all different kinds of microphones just to get different sounds. And mics are extremely important. And I've learned this this past year. The most important thing when recording music is great source tones and great source signals. You will not fix it in the mix. That's bullshit, okay? Um, so I went out, I returned the Blackline Audio stuff, which maybe in the future, maybe in the future I'll buy some more. Um, I do like that company. And they're from Chicago, you know? 
I'm from the South Burbs, man. I grew up 20 minutes from the city. Like, I want to support, you know, uh, my my Chicago people. And uh, yeah, man. So I went out and I said, you know what I need? I can use some some mics for my my toms on my drums, right? Because at the time I was using a a two overhead setup. I was I was spot micing the kick and the snare, um, and 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 that was it. You know, I had I would Glenn Johns it with four mics. Um, I would maybe mic up the snare top and bottom, and then I would put one on the kick. And I'm like, man, I'd love to be able to individually mic these drums so I can trigger them out for the metal music that I make. And uh, it would just be nice to have, you know. And I went out and I bought three Audix D2 mics. So glad I bought them because I recorded something in them and I threw them. And, and it's, they, the drums just sounded fucking awesome. And uh, I bought a Neumann TLM 102. Okay, um, I needed a mic. I, I like to try to buy large condensers that can do anything, right? That can do everything, that are versatile. You know, I don't really want something that's just, you know, for one specific thing, like unless the D2s. But even the D2s, I mean, you can mic up a bunch of shit with them. Usually every mic's somewhat like that. Um, but I went out and I, I bought a Neumann TLM 102, right? And I'm like, yeah, I can use it for vocals. I saw it for vocals, even though the 103 was more suited for vocals. I was like, yeah, I can get the 102. It's got a little richer sound. Maybe somebody with a higher voice will sound good on that mic. Um, and then I saw you can use it for guitar caps and amps, and um, it gives it a warmer tone. And compared to the SM57, which was my main mic on guitar amps, um, the, the the 57, I mean, it's it's. there's a reason why people buy it. There's a reason why it's been around for years. Um, but the tones I was getting out of the, the 57, they're high mids, man. High mids, right? Really mid-rangey, high mids. Great mic for snare drums, for the guitar amps. But I needed another mic to complement that mic. So what I mean by is when I dual mic a guitar amp or cap, I don't want the mics to be the same. I don't. That's my opinion. I want each mic to have its own characteristics, right? Because I want to be able to blend the characteristics of the mics and put them into one guitar tone, right? Makes sense? So now my mic setup on amps and guitar cabs is the 57 and the TLM-102. The TLM-102 gives me that body that I want, that richness, right, in tone, and that 57 still gives me the high mids, and I've been using that 102 like fucking crazy on uh, Fontan. Fontan's an artist, old buddy of mine. He's doing an 11-song project. We've recorded eight songs, uh, which I'm going to talk about more. But I use that mic exclusively on pretty much every time we mic'd up an amp. I use the 102 and the 57, and I think they sound fucking amazing together. Um, so, yeah, so I bought some mics. Um, and then I'm talking through, for the first time, my Shure SM7B. I've been wanting this mic for a while. I finally pulled the trigger on it. Um, I got some tips from work. I'm actually a trash man by day, garbage man, doing the home studio thing at night, you know, um, but yeah, I went out bought the 7B, man, and I, I sound crispy as fuck right now. This is the Joe Rogan mic, right? This is the mic they, they cut Thriller on. I mean, this mic is used for tons of vocals, hardcore vocals, rap vocals. I know Logic used to use this mic like crazy on vocals. I don't know if he still does, but I love how his vocals sound. And so I got the 7B now, and with my home studio environment, which is in a basement, and it's, it's kind of noisy, I got kids. Uh, the background noise on this thing is, it doesn't even pick anything up, man. It's, it's fucking sweet so far. So, yeah, man, I've, I've learned that analog gear for me at this point, okay, 
isn't the best investment because I'm still, like I said, kind of at not the beginning, beginning stages, but I'm at the beginning to, how do I say, the rookie amateur. I'm more amateur now than anything. And maybe eventually, like I said, I'll go out and buy analog gear. But for now, I've learned that I love just running shit straight through a DI, right? Straight through my interface, getting a halfway decent microphone, getting a good recorded signal. And to me, that's okay. And I like it like that. Yeah. So that's my take on analog gear. Okay. My experiences with it so far, like I said, I don't want to shit on the company and I'm not because they make amazing products. But for me, where I'm at in my home studio business and my engineering career, it just didn't make sense for me to hold on to those two pieces of equipment um, when I can be spending my money in other, other areas like buying quality microphones. Um, yes, I'm gonna take a short break and, uh, come back and I'm going to talk about my business, uh, uh, my, my learnings and business, what I've learned this past year since the last time I did a podcast. I'm going to talk about that, um, some do's and don'ts, and then I'm going to talk about mixing a little bit. So stick with me. Thank you for listening. Um, and I'll be back in a second. All right, I had to go upstairs and uh, eat some lunch. So really that, you know, short few second intermission was really more like 15, 20 minutes of me stuffing my face with the DiGiorno pizza, right? Never go wrong with a frozen pizza. I'm not man enough, though, to eat a whole DiGiorno by myself. I'm like two or three pieces short every time. All right, I can't do it. Now, Jack's Pizza, I'll smash one and three quarters of those. No problem. I tried even, I even had two full pizzas before. That wasn't a good idea. I was blocked up. Backed up like Lakeshore Drive, right? It was bad. It was bad. Um, So yeah, we just got a little banter. I'm going to go on a little, I don't know, a little rant and rave here. A couple years ago, my wife and I decided to cut the cord, right? We don't need cable. Save us the $120 a month, right? But we just got cable again. And my wife's back to watching hood rat shows like Teen Mom and Teen Mom Reunion. So that's what I went upstairs to. I got to watch a little Teen Mom Reunion. Still, you know, got the same girls on there from about 15, 16 years ago. I think their kids are in college now. I don't know. They still got the same problems. I'm just like, hey, people really watch this shit. People just like watching misery, you know. That's what I feel about the world. People just like watching misery. But with this podcast, I hope I don't bring you misery. Uh, we're going to talk about business. So some things I've learned um, in the last 10 months. I've learned to take your time with your mixes. The client will appreciate it so much. You know, in the beginning stages of our audio careers, we want to get the product out as fast as possible. That's not a good thing. It's not, right? We want to get it out as fast as possible because we want to make it seem like we're working hard right? We're going the extra mile for the client. But in reality, by rushing the product, you're not going the extra mile for the client, okay? Take your time with their music. They will appreciate it. They will appreciate you for it, okay? So I've learned that. Second thing I learned on the business tip, okay? Give out something for free in order to get some business. Plain and simple. Give out something for free, right? 
to get some business or give your clients an opportunity to do something for your business that will help it and then give something out at a discounted rate or cut them a little deal, right? Give them something for free. For example, right? I'm building out a website. So for my business, what's important to me now are reviews, right? Reviews. The people that come to me, what are your thoughts about my business? Did you like working with me? Did you like the quality of work I did? Did you like the, the, the experience, right? And so I went out and I asked for reviews. And in return, right, I would cut that artist, if they wanted to come back and work, a little deal. Now, my rates, right, I charge an hourly rate. And then I charge a mix and master fee, a flat rate for that. Because I believe in not charging per hour for mixing and mastering. I think it's wrong. Because you can't really, you can't really gauge those hours that you spend on a mix and a master, okay? And I don't want to, like I said before, rush the product, right? I don't want to charge per hour and then, you know, I come turn around and say, hey, man, I spent 10 hours on this mix. You owe me X amount of dollars, right? That or I don't want to configure, right, an hourly rate in a flat weight or uh, hourly wage in a flat rate to where this artist is paying me three, $400 a song. Like, I'm not at that level. The people I work with are not at that level. They can't afford that. And I know that, and, and I'm realistic about what I charge. And so what I did was, right, I said, you leave me a review, I'll cut the, the mix and mastering rate for free. I'll still charge you hourly, but you don't have to pay the extra X amount of dollars for the mixing mastering rate. And that helped me because now, right, I get a review, one, Two, I get to work on another song. Okay, so that's two. And I get to put out another song. And then three, I get to add it to my portfolio. So, I mean, it's it's win-win. It's win-win. You know, you got to give some to get some. And, and, and I learned that about business uh, this past year. It's another thing about business. Let me see here. Let me see here. Let me think. What else had I run into? Oh, oh I got an experience for y'all. I don't think, uh, no, I wasn't doing the podcast. So, what I've learned, right? I had a session where I didn't get paid, right? I didn't get paid what I was supposed to get paid, okay? Kids hit me up. They say, hey, we want to record. It was actually my buddy's like stepson. He was banging his mom. He had a bunch of friends. They had their little rap group. They were like the Mexican Wu-Tang Clan, all right? So they come over. But before that, I, I exchanged emails with one of the, the members. I guess he's like the leader. And I tell him, I said, hey, man, it's going to be X amount of dollars in an email. I made the, 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 the price real big font in red, okay? Changed the color of the font and everything. I said, this is what three songs are going to be. They come in, they do three songs. It was the most miserable fucking experience I've ever had in my life, all right? I'm not trying to turn down business here. I'm not trying to scare any business off that wants to come to me. But look, they, they were not prepared. They were some young kids. They didn't even have verses written for some of their shit. It was bad. The leader of the group who I exchanged emails with did not even send some of these guys the beat. Like I said, there was like five or six of these guys. All right. Didn't even send them the beat. And so they're not all on the same page. So like they came in and they had to, to write to a couple of the beats while they recorded to the one that they actually had the parts down. And okay, we finished the session, right? I say, all right, man. Yeah, that's it. I, I bounce all the songs. I open up the email, the Gmail account, and I go to send them the songs. And I said, wait, before I hit send, 
I got to get paid first. So that's that's key. Don't give out any songs until you get paid. So I said, okay. I said, I got to get paid. So what happened? Guy gives me some money. I said, man, this feels kind of light. I look at it. It's 50 bucks. No, man, I said the price was that. And he was like, well, I ain't got it. I said, okay. All right, hold on a sec. So they paid me for three songs. They they only paid me for one song. All right, I kind of cut them a deal. All right, it was my buddy's uh, stepson and his friends. So I cut them a deal. And I said, all right. So I deleted the two really good songs they did. They're two of the better ones. And I sent them the shit one. And I said, get the fuck out. Get the fuck out. I don't need you here anymore. I didn't say that. But I wanted to say that. I kind of had like a Joe Pesci moment inside my head, right? So then they leave, right? They leave pissed. They were pissed. They leave. They don't get their best song, right? That they were probably going to share and all that. They left. And uh, the one kid left his wallet in the house, in my studio. And I found it. And there was, there was 10 bucks in it. <laughs> and I really wanted to be petty and be like, yeah, I took the $10 out of your wallet. So now you guys only owe me this much. But I didn't. I left the $10 in there. He's a kid, right? He's an underage kid. I don't need the problems, right? I tried to steal anybody's shit. So he came back, got his wallet and ID, but I never talked to them again. So what I've learned from that experience is don't work with people who don't seem like they're serious. Okay. And I could kind of tell off the jump. So don't work with people that aren't, you know, that you don't think are serious. Right. What's a red flag for that? Maybe they don't have any music. Okay. And still, you still can't hold right? You, you still can't hold that against them because maybe they just haven't had an opportunity to record, okay? But the first the first thing this guy asked me when he sent me an email was, hey, is smoking allowed in your studio? Can we get high in your studio? And no smoking policy, clearly, right? But it's like, if you're serious about music and about going to a studio, whether it be a commercial one or a home recording one, I don't think that should be your first question. You know, like ask me for my portfolio. Like you're coming to pay me, right? Say, hey, man, you got some songs I can listen to? Like, you know, it, it was never about that. It was, can we get high in your studio? And I knew that was a red flag right there. You know, and he got kind of shitty with me after I said no. You know, because then he was like, can we smoke outside? Blah, 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 right? And I said, no, like, sorry, it's a rule. But yeah, so that, right? Try to stay away from people who aren't serious about music because it's really not going to get you anywhere. Okay, it's not you're just going to regress. All right. Um, two, don't give anybody their files until you get paid. That's important. Okay. Very important. And three, I didn't lose my cool in the session. Okay. So if you experience, have a bad experience, just, you know, it is what it is, right? Let the artist or the band leave and don't ever reach out again. Right. Move on. Move on and find the next best thing. So I've learned that. So that's the business thing. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Oh, I'll talk about my projects. Okay. So uh, I think last time I left, I, I, I put out Visions. It was an EP. It did okay. Uh, I had the one single on there that actually did really good. I shot a video for. Um, some of my, my clients included, uh, I got a new one. His name is C Mystic. Uh, he's been rapping been recording music since the 90s uh he's done stuff with guys from do or die uh i know he's got twisted on his radar as guys work with him and uh as well as doing some features with the guys from do or die so uh, i got him uh he, we did a couple songs together it was cool he had a cool project um it was a song for one of his friends uh it was a cool project to be a part of so his friends got a son 
plays football. He's a young kid. Well, this was like his last year of playing for that organization because he was moving on. He was getting older, moving on. And so his dad, to encourage him and motivate him, wanted to make him a highlight film. And he asked C-Mystic to record a song. And then with that song, he put a video together. So I got to engineer that song. And uh, that was that was a cool thing to be a part of. I'll be finished rated our plan B. I think I talked about that. The Fontana Project, I mentioned it earlier in a podcast. So my guy, Dirk, we used to jam together when we were in like junior high. Um, he came to me. He said, hey, man, I wrote this album like 15 years ago. Like, no bullshit. 10, 15 years ago, um, he wanted to re-record everything. And he wanted me to engineer it. He wanted me to record it and mix it. But here's the catch. He did not want to use a computer. He wanted to use this Tascam Porta Studio that he had. All right. It's a 24-track Tascam studio in a box thing, right, where you can actually burn CDs through it, like on it. And so I said, yeah, man, that'd be cool. Like, that's different. So I had to learn the board. So there was a learning curve, right? So I had to learn the board. And I really just learned the basics of the board. I learned how to pan stuff. It's pretty self-explanatory. How to EQ. Um, from working in the digital realm, it was pretty easy to figure out how to uh, uh, run the board. So I didn't have a problem with that. That was cool. Um, we did eight songs. It was cool because we used a bunch of little amps. He had a few little amps, and we used these little lunchbox amps, dude. And um, some of the tones are great, man. I still dual mic'd it. SM57 and a Neumann TLM-102 on a lot of things. Um, his big thing was is he didn't want all the tones to sound the same. So one song, we went direct into the Tascam, uh, which didn't sound too bad with, like, one of the lead parts. Uh, another thing was... Instead of using like the built-in amp distortion, we ran some shit through a blues driver. Uh, we ran some shit through my OCD, my full tone OCD pedal. Um, and we just, it, it's been a fun project. We need to finish it. But that was cool. But he's playing guitar, bass, drums, and singing vocals. And uh, it's been a lot. Um, and the drums, we Glenn Johns, because we can only record four inputs at once. So we're doing Glenn Johns. Um, the drums are sounding out pretty, coming out pretty damn good. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped for it. Because it's not through a computer. You have to get, you know, good tones. Um, and what's cool about it is if you ever owned a Tascam product, four track, anything, Tascam has this sound. Tascam has this saturation to it, whether it be the digital studio in a box that we're running shit through or like a four track tape player. Like I said, Tascam has a sound. And it sounds cool. Like, it sounds nostalgic to me because a four-track Porta 2 Studio was the first thing I ever recorded in. And so, yeah, that project's been fun. That We got to finish it. I'm excited to finish that one. Uh, another project I started on, uh, mixing for an uh, artist called Famo. Shout out to Famo. Um, he's already had the songs recorded. He's got his own little home studio, recorded the songs. He needed somebody to mix and master it. Uh, I met him in Guitar Center. Uh, we were talking microphones, we exchanged numbers, all that shit. And, uh, now he's, you know, coming to me to mix his stuff. And it's been fun working with him because this is the first time I've ever had an artist really come in and we do some collaborative mixing. So, you know, I'm manning the controls and he's like the co-pilot, right? Cause the artist, you know, uh, for the most part, really good ones know what they want. Hey, I want this to echo out. I want this to do that. So he's just been telling me like, try this, try that all that. And then I do my own things as well. Um, what's cool with this project is we get, get into some nerdery. Okay. It's got that old school, not even old school. It, it's definitely old school hip hop, the vibe, 
right? But it's a Chicago vibe, man. So it sounds like Common. It sounds like Kanye. It sounds like Lupe. Um, and, and this project, he got all the beats done by a producer, by a team called the Play Brothers. Uh, they make some, they make some dope ass beats and they're from Chicago and it sounds like Chicago. The drums knock, uh, they do, I think they do a little sampling as well. They play some instruments, man. It just sounds badass. Um, it's a fun project to be a part of. Uh, it feels like I'm a part of a team, which is awesome. And we're, we're making this project come to life. Um, but one of the things, getting back into the nerdery, I'm using different delays for every song, right? So we all have that like go-to delay for a main vocal, right? Or that go-to delay or go-to reverb for a main vocal. Well, I'm using a lot of these tracks. I'm not using reverb at all. Now I'm using delays, right? Um, which can kind of imitate reverb, right? Reverb is in fact a bunch of delays, right? All put together, whatever. And uh, But I'm using different delays. At different sounding delays, delays with filters, delays with, you know, wide delays, stereo delays, ping pong delays. And I'm having a lot of fun using these different delays in this project. So when it comes out and when you listen to it, I want you to listen for that. And I'll remind you, listen for the different uses of delays, the static delays, right? Or the delays that are just put in there for certain words and, and phrases and, and shit like that. Um, it's awesome. The mixing process since it's got an old school kind of Chicago vibe, I don't want to drown out the vocals with a shit ton of reverb, right? Make them super wet. Um, so I'm using a lot of parallel compression. I'm using a parallel saturator. I'm using a parallel compressor or multiple. Um, I'm even paralleling. What did I parallel? I, I put max bass from Waves, the plug-in. I put max bass on a vocal because I felt like his vocal just didn't have enough body and I wasn't getting the body I wanted through an EQ. And... When I would boost the EQ on the main, it seemed, it seemed like it just made it more muddy. So I added max bass, got some low end in that vocal, and just paralleled it, you know. And it's coming out, man. It's coming out It's coming out great. Uh, definitely one of my best sounding mixes and projects I've done to this point in time. And I'm getting a lot better at mixing. Uh, my growth has been been awesome to witness for myself. I've been very critical on myself, but it's been it's been like... It, kind of like an outer body experience when I listen to my shit and when I look back at what I made and what I've worked on, it's like, wow, you know, I, you know, you really can't kind of talk to myself, right? It's like, wow, you really came a long way and I'm still, still trying to get better and improve and, and, and all that shit. So yeah, it's been, it's been a hell of a fun project to work on. We actually got a radio interview coming up, uh, 88.9 FM. Uh, it's on Wednesday, January 8th at 5 30. I don't know if I'm going to make it because I got that five to five job and it's going to be tough to get out of there on time and drive to Lyle, Illinois from Park Forest. It's like a two hour drive. It's going to be like a two hour drive with all the traffic. It's going to be nuts. So, yes, that's what I've been working on lately. I've been doing my own pet projects. My boy, Jason Kaminsky, shout out to Jason Kaminsky. Uh, coming through, we did a couple of rock projects. It was awesome. When I bought those Audix D2s, uh, he came over and tracked some drums. It's the first time I got to individually mic a drum set with those D2s. Um, and it was cool. I got to play with some samples, right? I got to sample some shit out. Um, but ultimately, I mean, I just, I left the natural drums in there, man. I, I just love natural drums. I don't like all that sample shit. To me, it just, it sounds cheap. It sounds cheap. If you can't, if you can't make a drum set sound good with raw organic sounds, you ain't no engineer, like in my book. You're not like sampling's cool and all, but I think sampling is, uh, uh, people use it as a handicap, as a crutch. Right. Um, but yeah, that's it. That song's on Bandcamp. Uh, actually back to Famo's record, we recorded drums for a, one of his songs. 
Um, I don't want to tell you which one. The, this is the only kind of production work I did on his on his album, Ileana, um, Music from My Home. That's what it's called. Um, he sent me a beat. He said, what do you think of this? The Play Brothers made a banger. I told him, I said, they tried to use some like synthetic drums, but made them sound like real drums. And I told him, I said, dude, real drums would sound dope in this. Like, we got to use real drums because of the sample and all that shit. And so... He was like, you know anybody? I said, hell yeah. I know a couple of drummers. Let me reach out. So I reached out to my guy, Jason. JR. Jason Reardon. I hope I pronounced that last name the right way. Sorry, Jason, if I didn't. Reardon or Reordon. Tomato, tomato. But anyway, right? So Jason came in. He brought his kid over. He was pumped. I was fucking pumped. Famo was fucking pumped. And uh, he came over. And dude, we, there was no rehearsing. He came over and just fucking killed it. We tried to... Get the drums to play to a click, but you know, the click wasn't working because the sample wasn't to click. If you know anything about beat making, it's, you know, you can make a drum beat to click and have a, the the song session be 85 BPMs for the beat. But the sample, it's going to be stretched out or, you know, sped up and it's just not going to it's not going to, uh, you know, hit right uh, to the metronome. And he came in and he just pretty much freestyled it. We did like three or four takes. And we comp some shit together, man, and got a lot of rolls in there. The drums sound fucking amazing. I used, uh, I Glenn Johns did. I had the TLM 102 on the floor, Tom, okay? I had the, uh, what the hell did I have up top? I had the, uh, shit, shit. No, I had the TLM 102 up top over the snare. I had the AKG Perception 220, which is an emulation of the U87. I just found out it has the same exact circuitry. The only thing that's missing is this one part that's like 59 cents, but you can get that swapped out. All right, so this $175 mic on a floor, Tom. I got the $700 mic, the Neumann, on, uh, above the, the snare. I got the snare top and bottom mic with the 57. That snare bottom mic is super important, super important. Um, if you can mic the bottom of a snare, do it, okay? You won't be disappointed. I used a D6 on the kick, an Audic D6 on the kick, just one kick drum. Jason's kick drum is a 22-inch round, or 22-inch in uh, diameter, I'm sorry, by uh, 22 inches deep. Like, it's a deep kick drum, and it sounds fucking massive. It's got a bunch of body. It's got some subbiness in it, which is awesome. It's got some nice attack, like, clickiness, too, that you want in a kick drum. But, man, for this track, the drums just sound fucking amazing. His kit was awesome. You put some brand new Evans heads on him. His cymbals sound great. The China cymbals sound sexy. He's he plays a little bell in there. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Just thinking about it. <laughs> yes, I just went. Uh, I just went full chub. Yeah, but man, drums came out great. Drums came out great, and that's all I did. And oh, he's got a three piece. He plays a three piece. So I mic the rack tom with an Audix D two and the floor tom with a D two. And, uh, dude, the drums sound fucking banging in that track. I'm excited about that track. I can't wait till it drops. And I can't wait till this whole album drops to share it with the world. And, yeah, I want to give a shout-out to Chi-Town Phantom, uh, another new artist. He came to me. He said, Derek, man, I, I've had this album written ever since he was in, like, high school. Um, he, he never had an opportunity to record before, so this was the first time um, he, he he's ever recorded uh, I'm proud of the guy, man. He uh, 
he came in, he said, I, hey, he had a vision. He had songs written. He's got a ton of songs written, which was awesome. Um, and he said, hey, I want to put out 12 songs, my first mixtape ever. Um, I want to get the ball rolling on this thing. I want to see, you know, uh, if I like it, if it suits me, if it's something I want to continue with. And so I'm glad that I can help him in his journey on becoming an artist. Um, he's got a bunch of shit on SoundCloud. You can check him out, uh, Town Phantom. Uh, I strictly just mixed and mastered all of his stuff and recorded his uh, all of his music um, so far to this point. So I know he's going to continue to make music. Uh, I know some of his songs on there, man, on SoundCloud got about three or 4,000 plays. Um, and so for the little guys, for the local guys, like that's big time, man, especially if you're just getting started. So uh, he does it the right way. Uh, you know, he he's, he puts his time and money into a promotion, which is important. That's equally as important as to making good songs. So uh, I'm proud of him. I'm looking forward to working with him as well. Uh, another guy I want to give a shout out to uh, who I've linked up with. Uh, he's actually from LA. He's from California. Uh, I want to say he's from the Bay Area, but lives in LA now. Uh, something like that. Uh, Godby. Shout out to Godby. Uh, I met him through Reddit. You know, I said in the podcast about um, giving something out for free in order to gain some business. That's exactly what that was. Uh, I, I I saw him on Reddit. I met him on Reddit. I, I threw something out there saying I was mixing uh, songs for free. Right, because I was trying to get more business, and he hit me up, and yeah, man, we clicked. I've done like eight songs for him, so check him out on SoundCloud. You can check out C Mystic on iTunes, SoundCloud, all that, YouTube. He's got a shit ton of videos. Uh, you can check out Famo. He's got a SoundCloud, uh, all that, man. It, it, it's going to be a, a good year. Uh, it was a good year. It's, 2020 is going to be an awesome year, and uh, I, I can't wait till all these artists start dropping shit, um, which they have already. I'm going to continue to share and support them because uh, they support me. So be on the lookout for all these guys. Uh, yeah. Kick, take a little break and we'll kick into the next segment. All right, mixing, mixing, mixing. Yes, mixing junkies out here. This little segment's for you. What I've learned about mixing. Stop listening to bad advice on the internet. There's a shit ton of advice out there. Stop, 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 stop. Don't listen to some average Joe on YouTube tell you how to mix and then go and do it in your mixes because it might be wrong. Go out there, put your money, okay? Listen to me. Listen to me because it's not expensive to go get you a solid like online kind of education, right? To piece together an education, all right? Go to Pure Mix Live. Go to URM Academy, which I use uh, to learn about metal. The, the Their shit's fucking amazing. Like, their audio school on there. It's not accredited, but goddamn, do you learn some shit. Um, go spend some money and, and, and learn from some uh, solid quality pros, okay? Some people with credentials, right? People with portfolios, you know, like, am I telling you to take mix advice from me? No, I'm not. Okay. You can you can do what I say, but if it sounds like shit, don't do it. All right, I'm gonna keep it 100 with you. What sounds good to me might not sound good to you. All right. So before I give you some mixing advice, right? Just take just take it with a grain of salt. What I do, right, might not be good for you. Okay? But try it, apply it. If it doesn't work, like Derek's an idiot. If it works, be like, man, 
Derek had a nice tip on that. What I've learned about mixing, less is more. Okay? The use of compression in small amounts does more for your track than slamming a compressor so uh, on one track and then just leaving it alone. So what do I mean by that? Okay? When it comes to routing, right, in our DAWs, whatever DAW you use, you have your main tracks. So we're going to say vocal. I'm going to break it down for you. And I'm not, I don't want to lose you. Okay? We got our main vocal. Okay? Your main vocal. So try to look, if you're looking in the air somewhere, try to look left to right and imagine this. Okay, so you got your main vocal, track one. Okay, your main vocal is going into your vocal bus. Okay. Next to that, your vocal bus is going into your mix bus. Real simple mapping with tracks. Okay, your mix bus is going into your master. I'm going to keep it that simple for you. Okay, I know some guys use extra buses in there. Fuck that. We're going to keep it simple. You got your main bus, main vocal bus. Going into your vocal bus, your vocal bus is going into your mix bus, and your mix bus is going into the master. So imagine left to right, that main vocal, vocal bus, mix bus, mastering bus. So now with the vocal, right? We put our EQ on the main vocal, right? We put our compressor on the main vocal. Now, take into account for how your vocal was recorded. If they already put a compressor on that vocal before it hits the computer, you don't have to go crazy with the compressor, okay? You might just want to add one for character, right? And do a light amount of compression. One smooth compressor I like to use, okay, is the R-Comp, the R-Compressor from Waves, okay? And I'll turn the threshold down just so that it's compressing maybe negative 2, negative 3 dB at the most, sometimes even less than that. And I'll set the ratio really low. Like under a two sometimes, maybe a two or a three. I don't go really high with it, all right? And I adjust the gain, maybe turn up the gain a little bit, maybe that, just to get some volume back, okay? Um, but I never exceed the gain amount um, that, you know, the, I, I never turn it up more than what's being taken away, what's being compressed, okay? So that is the main vocal, right? So you got your EQ. You might high high pass some shit out, right? All the muckiness. You do your EQ moves, okay? You got your compressor, right? We're on compressors. So do a little minor compression in your main track. Now we're on to the vocal bus. What's the vocal bus? Okay, your vocal bus is going to have your main vocals, right? And maybe your backups, right? Your backing vocals, your ad-libs, um, your highlight tracks, you know, whatever all going to the vocal bus okay you want to somewhat glue that all that shit together okay so here's where you can use another compressor right but maybe use a different one use a different compressor because every compressor has different characteristics it has a different sound so on our vocal bus we'll add right and we'll add the rvox renaissance vox the rvox compressor from waves okay i'm just using simple shit that maybe a lot of you have all right and, we're, and with our Vox, it's simply one knob. One slider you pull down, and it does the compression for you, and it's a character compressor. And just do it in a light amount, okay? You can use the R Vox. You can use any one of Slate's compressors, the Distressor that Slate has, the FG Stress. Use that too, but light amount of compression, okay? So now we have two stages of compression, right? Acting together, right, as one. 
right? And then it hits the mix bus. Now the mix bus, right? I always use the SSL comp, okay? I turn the attack up really high or as slow as it can go. I turn the release down as fast as it can go. And I turn down the threshold just so the needle moves just a little bit, okay? I'm not slamming that. So now my vocal's hitting three different compressors at really light stages, okay? Really minimal settings, okay? And it's still allowing that that vocal to be dynamic, all right? And then when you go to your master bus, right, from your mix bus, goes into your mastering bus. On your mastering bus, might add some more compressors, might add some mastering compressors. So you got to remember, by the time you get to your master bus and you, you're mastering your song, that vocal is being ran through like four or five compressors, okay? So that's why we don't go into our main vocal track and compress the fucking living shit out of it because it's going to hit three or four more compressors along the way, okay? You, you get what I'm saying? So lights amount of compression with the vocal. Same thing with the snare drum. If you're doing live snares, live kicks, overheads, all that light compression is better, okay? Unless, unless you're really trying to smash the shit out of a signal, okay? Or you're paralleling something, then hit that fucking compressor hard. But other than that, man, light's amount of compression goes a long way. It'll help keep your track dynamic. It'll help when you master it and you're pushing that limiter. It'll help make it all louder, right? It'll sound big. It's not going to sound squished. We don't want that. So that's what I learned about compressors. So that's my mix tip of this episode light compression in multiple stages goes a long way it's like garlic less is more less is more okay so that's my compression tip all right some music i'm listening to right we all listen to music every day we're inspired by music right it's important to listen to different shit if you're gonna engineer if you're gonna engineer it's important to listen to different shit because even if you do metal Metal music, listen to rap, listen to pop, listen to what sounds good in those genres, and maybe that'll help you with the main genre that you work in. If you do just hip hop, hip hop, listen to rock music, listen to alternative. They're doing some really cool shit in alternative music now where they're really just blending shit genres together. One album I think everyone needs to listen to is Blink-182's Nine, the new album they just put out. It's it's fucking amazing. I, I, I love it. I love it. I haven't listened to Blink, honestly, since the uh, Tom and Travis show. <laughs> to be honest, I loved Enemy of the State, Tom and Travis show, and and, and all that, and it, I loved Blink. I loved Blink. This this new record, man, they added Skiba from uh, Alkaline Trio in there. The songwriting's awesome. The engineering's amazing. The mixing, the production value is fucking top-notch. Go listen to that. But listen to different kinds of music to get ideas for the genre that you work in. Um, be, be, have an open mind to music. Don't be one of these, these uppity snobs. I don't listen to metal. You know, if you're doing rap, I don't listen to metal. I don't want to listen to that shit. You know, all that cookie monsters, like listen to it, man. Cause you'll hear some cool shit in there. Um, yes. So, uh, other music I'm listening to thrice since our hiatus, my buddy Jason told me, listen to thrice. Thrice has been around since the late nineties. All right. They were pop punk. They turned into alternative. Now they're more like a hard rock band. I love their newer shit. Okay. There are newer stuff after, I think, like, 04, 05. It's all fucking amazing to me. Um, they have they have literally become my favorite band ever. Um, and I'm fucking 30, going to be 32 years old. And I just discovered my favorite band. So that's why I said, 
discover new music, listen to a bunch of different shit that you never listened to um, because there's a lot of cool ass music out there. And I grew up on my favorite bands were Corn, right? Limp Bizkit, um, rappers. I love Biggie Smalls and all this. But, dude, when it comes to rock music, man, a huge Corn fan. They've been number one for a long time. Same with Slipknot. But, dude, man, I listen to Thrice and they just, they fucking, every time I listen to Kendrew's voice, it's just like it rips open my chest and grabs my fucking heart and just starts pulling on the strings, man. And it just really, dude, oh, man, so much soul in their music. Listen to Thrice. It'll be good for you. Um, listen to Thrice, the Blink-22 record I I, I I talked about. Rap albums. Um, Logic came out with a couple bangers earlier in the year. Um, uh, what else have I been listening to? Cameron just released Purple Haze 2. That just came out Friday. Cameron, man, I love Cameron. I love slower rappers uh, who are witty with bars. Fabulous came out with uh, Summertime Shootout 3. Uh, I, I think Fab, Fab's in the Hall of Fame. He's been doing it forever, man. He's in Hall of Fame status. Uh, country music, I don't listen to fucking country. Sorry. Uh, I just don't. It ain't my thing. I can't get into it. I can't. I've been listening to a lot of pop music because my kids listen to pop music. Uh, I, found, I find myself getting in my car and listening to more pop music. And I think pop music's important because uh, I think they set the bar for sound. And pop. I just think it, the mixes are clean, the low ends there, the energy's there uh, with this newer pop stuff, and I think that we can learn from pop music. I mean, it, there's a reason why it's top forty. There's a reason why pop music is always bringing, um, setting new records with releases, right? There's a reason why the shit's being played on the radio all the time. There's there's a reason why tickets to go see a pop concert are so fucking more expensive than seeing a metal show or a rap show. Listen to pop, man. I, I, for engineers, I think it'll be good for you. It'll be good for you. What I like about pop, the vocals are up front. I love mixing like that. I want my vocals, especially rap vocals, to be up front. I don't like them tucked and buried because uh, there's a message. I feel like in 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 good hip hop and good rap, there's a message, and to, for the people to hear that message, you want them vocals a little louder. Um, you don't want them tucked and buried. That's my opinion on that. Um, so, yes. So, thank you for listening. This is the Derek Durish with 10K Music Podcast. I might be changing the name over to Durish Music Podcast. Be on the lookout. If you haven't, please rate, review, subscribe, share this podcast. Let's keep it five-star. Keep it five-star. If you got any questions, um, if you want me to cover any topics, anything, if you want my opinion on anything, dude, uh, go to the reviews on iTunes Podcast. Leave me a review ask me a question yeah uh ask me you know what my opinion is on this and that and the other um thank you for listening uh and as always uh happy mixing happy creating happy recording and keep on pushing